Over these past several weeks, this has been an amazing series about what it takes to have a new beginning in our lives. And our theme verse through this whole time has been Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. We've looked at so many different facets of what it takes to have a new beginning in our lives. We've looked at being able to let go of things from the past. We've looked at what it means to be prepared to face the challenges of adversity and to persevere through them. Uh, we've looked at what it looks like to focus on the goals that God has given us and put on our hearts. And we've been reminded to have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset so that we can keep on striving to be better as we reach for new beginnings. But there is one essential component that we haven't looked closely at. And this ingredient is so essential to a healthy new beginning. And it is the ingredient of forgiveness. And God does not let us forget that forgiveness is at the heart of a healthy new beginning. And in fact, in Isaiah 43, he picks up on the theme of forgiveness right after the verse, the verse that we've been looking at. And so in verse 22, this is what God says. He says, but dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. And then verse 25 this is what God says. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. God lists out all the ways that the people of Israel have fallen short. All the things that they should have been doing and they didn't. All the things that they were doing that they shouldn't have been. And then God speaks this amazing word over them. That his heart for them is forgiveness. That he is intending to blot out their sins and remember them no more. And God is saying that he has a new beginning in store for them. 
and he is ready to move on and to move forward. He knows that forgiveness is essential and he's ready to offer that forgiveness. But here's the all-important question. What happens when God is ready to move on, but we aren't? What happens when God is ready to move on, but we aren't? What happens when God is offering us forgiveness and a new beginning, but we aren't ready to forgive ourselves? Because when we can't accept his forgiveness, when we can't forgive ourselves, it makes a new beginning impossible. Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about the little things. I'm not talking about burning dinner or skipping a workout or forgetting a friend's birthday. Hopefully all of us are extending ourselves a little bit of grace and self-care, especially in the middle of a crazy year. But I'm talking about the big things. The mistake that we made that had huge consequences in our lives. And there are layers and layers of regret and we just can't let it go. Or sometimes it's not even something that we did or were responsible for. But we have this false guilt that we're carrying because we feel like we should have known better or we should have been able to avoid something. But it happened anyway and we just can't forgive ourselves. Or maybe it actually was something that we did and were responsible for. And it so shattered our conception of ourselves, who we are, who we ought to be, that all we can do is try our best to ignore it or bury it and pretend it never happened. But that memory, that sense of shame keeps on bubbling up to the surface no matter how hard we try to push it down. The reality is wherever we face loss or trauma, wherever something precious to us or someone precious to us is harmed or lost, wherever we face guilt or embarrassment, it's so easy for us to hold ourselves responsible, to hold ourselves in unforgiveness, to condemn ourselves. And because we condemn ourselves, even though God is offering forgiveness to us, we can't say yes to it. And we can't move forward into a new beginning. And let me just say this. These things that we carry in our hearts that we know that if just by ignoring them, they're not going to go away. But we tend to try just to push them down anyway. And I was thinking about this and I was remembering a way that God just reminded me of the impact when we, when we do this. And it's just such a, a practical illustration. Uh, a couple of years ago, my daughter graduated uh, from her, you know, she finished her school year and she came home that day and she was so excited and we had so many things planned. And so we took her backpack and we just hung it up on a hook in the garage. And we figured we're going to ignore it for now. We'll save it for later. And what we didn't know was that inside her backpack was still her lunchbox. And what we especially didn't know was that inside her lunchbox was still her lunch. And so it was two months later when we were getting ready for a new school year that we finally opened up her backpack and what we found was that the mold had grown not only on her lunch, not only in the lunchbox, but the mold had actually grown 
threw the zipper out of the lunchbox and had spread through the entire backpack. And I promise you, it wasn't pretty. But God brought this image to mind when he just reminded me of what the impact is when we try to ignore something that is not going to go away, that only festers and sits there. And it will keep on coming up until we actually deal with it, deal with the heart of what's happening. And the way, the pathway to freedom that God has provided is forgiveness. This is the path to a new beginning. So my prayer today is that God uses this message to bring a word of freedom. Because what God has spoken to the people of Israel in verse 25, God says to you and to me as well. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. To put it simply, because of God's heart for forgiveness— God wants us to also be able to forgive ourselves. He wants us to be able to step forward into a new beginning because when God says that he has blotted out our sins and he's ready to forgive us, he wants us to believe him and to be able to apply that and trust that in our own lives. And I know that some of us are just so used to being hard on ourselves, so used to condemning ourselves, so used to not letting ourselves off the hook, that it's hard to even hear it. That as soon as we hear it, we feel like it's, you know, unrealistic, or it's self-help, or it's cheap grace, and we discount it. And there's a part of that voice that is actually legitimate and right because on our own, apart from God, we don't have the authority of the, or the power to just blot out our sins. We don't have the power to uh, pay the debt that uh, the moral debt that our brokenness has caused. We don't have the power to close the gap of injustice or to make all things new. But God does. And God has spoken forgiveness over us. And because he has spoken forgiveness over us, he wants us to believe him and to say yes and to be able to apply it to ourselves. And because this is so hard for us, I want to challenge you to just to lean in on this point, to personalize it, to say it, to type it in the chat. God wants me to be able to forgive myself. And the question is, how do I do it? Today, we're going to be looking at the life of Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's most prominent disciples. He was so brash, so full of confidence in following Jesus. And it was Peter who was the one who boasted at the Last Supper. He was surrounded by Jesus and all the other disciples. And Peter says to Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And then Peter even followed up on that and said to Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And I just got to say, for Peter to be able to say that, and all the other disciples are sitting there, that takes a lot of, mm, you can use the word that you want. Minimally, that takes a lot of guts to be able to say that with all the other disciples just sitting there. But then Jesus was arrested. And Peter followed along, wondering what was going to happen. 
And he followed him to the courtyard of the high priest. And there was an incident that is recorded in every gospel. In Matthew chapter 26, in Mark chapter 14, in Luke chapter 22, in John chapter 18. Every single gospel records what happened next. He's standing there by a fire, warming himself on the cold night. And a servant girl comes up to him and says, Hey, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter, three times, denies being with Jesus, denies following Jesus, denies even knowing Jesus. Peter breaks the promise that he said that he would never fall away, that he would never desert Jesus. And he utterly betrays his friend, his teacher, his Lord. And as Jesus is taken to be crucified, we find Peter realizing what he's done, weeping bitterly in shame. You know, one of the things that I appreciate most about the Bible is that it doesn't sugarcoat what actually happened. You know, one of the reasons we know that it's not fiction or propaganda is that it shows the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially of the disciples, these people who would eventually become the leaders of the early church. They clearly did not write these accounts in Scripture to make themselves look good. But the hope that we have is that if God is able to use these people in all their frailty and shortcomings and sin, and he's able to write his story of grace and redemption through them, then he's also able to do that through us in spite of all our shortcomings and sin. And so when we look at Peter, we ask the question, what made it possible for him to go from that courtyard weeping in shame to become just a few weeks later the leader of the early church, speaking to thousands, engaging with the poor and the outcast with compassion and empathy, standing up with courage against the Jewish leaders. What allowed him to have that transformative new beginning? And the answer is forgiveness. And the primary account of what happened that caused that restoration is in John chapter 21. It's commonly called the restoration of Peter. And this passage in John chapter 21 teaches us four key lessons about, about forgiveness. Four key lessons that allowed Peter to experience forgiveness and have a new beginning. And four key lessons that will allow us to have that as well. So as we get ready for John chapter 21, I'm going to set the scene. And there's this um, drawing, this painting, that will give us a sense of what it was like. Jesus has overcome death in victory. He's risen from the dead. And he encounters, he goes and he meets the disciples who have largely returned to their old lives. They're fishing. And Jesus calls out to them and arranges for them to have a huge catch of fish. And they bring it in, they light a fire, they eat breakfast together, and then Jesus and Peter have this interaction. And so starting with verse 15, this is what John says. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love, these, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Four lessons that we learn about forgiveness from this passage. And the first one is that God wants to forgive us no matter what we've done. And this may seem a little obvious, but it is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It's what we proclaim week after week because it is so essential that God in his love and his grace offers forgiveness to us no matter what we've done. And we see it in this passage. Jesus takes all the initiative to forgive Peter. There's no sense of wounded pride or wounded ego or a chip on Jesus's shoulder, even though one of his closest friends in Jesus' time of need let him down and even denied knowing who Jesus was. Jesus isn't angry. He doesn't give Peter the silent treatment. He doesn't unfriend him on Facebook or throw shade at him at Twitter. Everything that Jesus does in this passage is designed to engage with Peter, to restore Peter, and to offer Peter God's love and forgiveness. God wants to forgive us no matter what we've done. And even though there are times that we have such a hard time believing it, I want to challenge you to lean in, to say it, to type it in the chat. No matter what, God is willing to forgive us. Because I know that there is someone who is hearing this message right now and is thinking to themselves, I know you're saying this, that God will forgive me for anything. I know you're saying it, Pastor Tilden. I've heard Pastor Herman say, but you don't know what I've done and I don't think God can forgive me. And I just want to encourage you, if that's what is on your heart right now, I want to encourage you that God's message of forgiveness, his offer of forgiveness is for you. And I want to encourage you just to look at God's story through scripture, that God was the one who forgave Moses, a murderer, and raised him up and wrote him back into a story so that Moses could help to set God's people free. And God was the one who forgave David, a murderer and an adulterer. And he raised him up and wrote him back into a story and had David be one of the great kings of Israel. And in the New Testament, God was the one who forgave Saul. He gave him a new beginning. He renamed him Paul, the one who was a murderer and a persecutor of the innocent people within the church. And he forgave him. And most of the New Testament that we have is his letters written about God's incredible forgiveness and call on his life. No matter what you've done, God has demonstrated over and over again that he is able to forgive for anything. And I hope you hear this. If there's one thing that we see in Jesus's ministry is that it's not the respectable that are welcomed into the kingdom of God. It's not the folks that look like they have all their stuff together. 
the one that is welcomed into the kingdom of God is the one who is repentant. Jesus is always welcoming that person into God's kingdom because God's heart is always ready to offer forgiveness. God wants to forgive us no matter what we've done. That brings us to the second lesson that we have in this passage about forgiveness. And it's this. Forgiving ourselves is not the same as excusing ourselves. That's the temptation, isn't it? When we are facing our guilt, our shame, our embarrassment, the easiest thing for us to do is to avoid the deep work of forgiveness and instead try to find a way to excuse ourselves. I was tired. I was stressed. No one was hurt. It wasn't my fault. Everyone else was doing it. But what we see in this passage is that Jesus refuses to allow Peter just to excuse himself. Jesus refuses to allow Peter to say, all the other disciples abandoned you too. Jesus refuses to allow Peter to talk about the stress that he was under. Instead, Jesus forces Peter to confront exactly what he did. Three times in that courtyard in the high priest, Peter disavowed and disowned Jesus. And now, standing by a fire again in front of Jesus, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus doesn't settle for excusing Peter because Jesus knows how high the stakes are for Peter's life and for your life and for my life. Because if Jesus had just let Peter excuse himself, he knew that Peter would be trapped by insecurity forever. That if Peter just found an excuse for why he had buckled under pressure, that he knew that Peter would be so afraid of buckling again and again. And that because of that, Peter would always be hesitant to take that step of courage, to take that step of leadership, to take that new beginning because he'd prefer just to avoid the potential of failing Jesus again. That's one option that occurs when we just make excuses. The other option that occurs when we make excuses is we go the other direction and we have this sense of false bravado. We take the excuse and we use it to shift blame on anyone else besides ourselves. And we all know people like that. We might work with people like that. Nothing is ever their fault. There's always a reason why they're not to blame. And if Peter had taken that route of excusing himself, there's no way that he could have had the integrity and compassion and empathy that he needed to be a leader after God's own heart. Forgiving ourselves is not the same as excusing ourselves. And we have to be able to do that deep work of forgiveness. Which brings us to the third lesson about forgiveness in this passage. Forgiving ourselves starts with honest self-awareness. This is what Peter, this is what Jesus forced Peter to confront about himself, exactly what was going on in Peter's heart. And it's so fascinating because the first question that Jesus actually asked Peter is, 
Do you love me more than these? And Jesus is probing and putting his finger on that boastful claim that Peter had, that even if everyone else falls away, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus is saying, do you really love me more than these other people? Do you hear and understand how arrogant and prideful that was? Do you know how frail your heart really is? Do you know how much you need me in your life? And I want you to note Peter's humility in the response. He says, yes, I love you, but he doesn't claim to love Jesus more than the people around him because Jesus is confronting the core of what Peter has done and how Peter needs to grow. Self-awareness is so hard. Sometimes the hardest reality for us is to accept our own weakness and our need for God. You know, recently we had an online marriage retreat here at this church, and um, I was reminded at the retreat uh, what it was like uh, when my wife and I started dating. Um, because it was actually kind of embarrassing. We had gotten to know each other as friends when we were in college, and the year after I graduated, uh, I, I became a part-time uh, staff person with a ministry on campus. And one of the unspoken rules of being a staff member uh, with this ministry was that you weren't supposed to date students. You were discouraged from dating students. And so um, Mimi was still a student. I prayed about it. I felt like God was telling me, you and Mimi should just be friends. I committed to that. Um, I told Mimi that I think we should just be friends, and we move forward into that year. Well, two months later, one of my friends asked Mimi out on a date, and guess what happened? I got insanely jealous, and it's not like God said something new to me, but I sprang into action. I wrote her this long and tortured letter that poured out my feelings to her, but didn't quite commit to dating her. And the whole rest of the year, we had this awkward half-friendship, half-dating thing going on. We hid it from other people. We would hold hands when we thought that no one else was looking. It was awkward. It was embarrassing. After that year, I moved on to a different full-time job, and we could finally start dating unencumbered. But I realized that there were some things that God needed to clean up inside of me before I was ready to start a new beginning with Mimi. And most of all, God needed me to be able to be honest and, and aware of my own frailty and brokenness. That God needed me to be able to acknowledge that I wasn't as holy as I thought I was, that I was far more susceptible to jealousy and loneliness than I wanted to admit. And I also needed, just to be honest, that I was a little bit embarrassed to start publicly dating Mimi because we had been used to hiding our feelings for each other for so long. And coming out of that, God did two things that I am so grateful for. In that summer, the first thing that God did was he made it clear to me that he wanted to forgive me and that he wanted a new beginning in our relationship to move forward. I, 
I actually met three different married couples that summer that all started their relationship in the same circumstances that Mimi and I were in. And it was like God was just saying to me, get over it, get over yourself, get ready to move forward. But the second thing that God did was he convicted me and made me acknowledge that I needed to repent and to ask for forgiveness from God and from Mimi. And I needed to be able to receive their forgiveness and apply it to myself so I could put that embarrassment behind me and truly have a healthy new beginning as I started to date Mimi. And I am so grateful for that healthy new beginning that formed the foundation of our relationship. And I'm so grateful that at this point, um, this year, we're celebrating our 20th year of being married now. It is hard work and uncomfortable to do the work of self-awareness, of looking at our brokenness and our need for God. But until we can understand and take responsibility for our stuff, our fear, our anxiety, our envy, all the things that are hidden motivations for us, we will never be able to fully experience God's forgiveness. And we will never be able to fully forgive ourselves. And I just want to say, as a church, we're entering into 40 days of prayer and fasting from something. And a great way to use that extra time in prayer would be to think about what are ways that I need to be more honest with myself, with how I need God and hidden motivations that drive me and allow us to experience more deeply God's forgiveness and our ability to overcome it and to forgive ourselves. So we've looked at four lessons about forgiveness. That first that God wants to forgive us no matter what we've done. And second, that forgiving ourselves is not the same as excusing ourselves, which means that number three, forgiving ourselves starts with, starts with honest self-awareness, with doing that work. And then finally, number four, forgiving ourselves is the humility to fully trust God's forgiveness. You see, this is ultimately what Peter shows us. That it's only when Peter allows Jesus to walk him through exactly what he did. And Peter recognizes it and he doesn't run away from it. He doesn't try to excuse it. He acknowledges his desperate need for God's forgiveness. It's at that moment that Peter realizes that God's forgiveness is always going to be faithful in his life. That there's nothing that Peter can do that is going to cause him to be written out of God's story. And it's at that moment that Peter can rest secure in the courage and in the assurance and in the humility to be the leader that God has called him to be, to step into the new beginning that God has for him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says to us, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for us, it means that we have a choice of whether we are living in the reality of God's forgiveness that God has spoken over us where there is no condemnation or whether we choose to live in the reality of our own judgment or other people's judgment. Because I promise you, there is someone out there that is holding you in unforgiveness. And it 
could be something that you've done. It could be something that you've tried your best to make up for, to acknowledge, to ask for forgiveness for. But they might not be ready. They're still holding you in anger. They may wish you ill. But the good news is even though you can't control what they think, you can't control what they feel, if God has spoken forgiveness over you, you are not controlled by anyone else's unforgiveness, not even your own. If Jesus, the Son of God, has set us free, then we are free indeed. This is the process of forgiveness that Jesus brought Peter through, the experience of the fullness of assurance of God's forgiveness that allowed Peter to step forward into that new beginning and to lead with courage and with humility. And my prayer for all of us is that as we open our hearts to God, as we experience the fullness and depth of God's forgiveness for us, we too are able to turn that forgiveness and embrace it for ourselves, to forgive ourselves and to move forward into the new beginning that God has for us. Amen. I want to encourage you to consider how you're going to respond to today's message. And I especially want to invite you, if you are someone that realizes that you've been struggling with forgiving yourself, and you might have realized in today's message that the reason why you're struggling with forgiving yourself is that you've never fully accepted the forgiveness that God has for you. And that today is the day for you to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, to commit to following him and receiving from him the forgiveness that he offers. Or you might be at a place of recommitting to follow him and to be able to receive his forgiveness so that you can apply that forgiveness to your life and to start that new beginning. If you'd like to take that step today, I want to encourage you, just fill out our online connection card. You can uh, get there uh, right from our app. Just tap on the Sunday screen or the connection card is available right from our website. Now, for everyone, the message response that I want to challenge you with, and I want to encourage you to mark it on the connection card, even if you're not, even if you don't normally fill out our connection card, is I commit to pray and fast for 40 days. Join us for this next season leading up into Easter, and let's see what God is going to do in our lives together. And remember from my message, one specific challenge that I have for you is the reflection question for this week. Where do I need greater self-awareness so I can more fully receive God's forgiveness? That question can be one of the questions that takes you all the way through these 40 days of prayer. So don't forget make sure you also sign up on that connection card for our daily emails um, that include a scripture and a devotional that'll take you all the way through these 40 days. And join us this Wednesday for our kickoff, February 24th. You can go to our events page on our app or on our website to register for that.